0: Welcome to this episode of Moving Through Menopause. I'm excited to be talking today all about yoga. Anybody who knows me knows I love yoga. I love it for myself and and I love teaching it, although it's a new addition to my stable of skills. So Kathy Wise, who is here chatting with me today, Kathy's been doing yoga for a lot longer than I have. And I'm sure she's got some great tips and tricks for us today in this conversation. So thank you so much, Cathy, for coming along and having a chat on moving through menopause this afternoon.
1: Thank you. Lovely to be here. Yeah, this afternoon for you, this morning for me. I'm oh, on the West Coast, coast of Canada. So, yeah.
0: Oh, of
1: course, your your English
0: accent betrays your location, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, Kathy, I know that you have been teaching yoga for a long time already and that it was really when you hit menopause yourself and you started to maybe struggle with the fact that the yoga that you'd been doing for years wasn't really hitting the mark anymore. And and so I'd be really interested to hear a little bit about, you know, what was going on with you around
1: that time yeah happy to share i mean i think you know for me yoga very much since i'm in my 20s i did a yoga teacher training when i was 31 32 and i i just loved how yoga grounded me helped me you know was was my go-to kind of place on my mat i love the meditative aspect of it however the actual techniques or movements that I was doing, I had as one of my menopausal perimenopausal symptoms, really severe joint pain. Mm. And I think that's something that often doesn't get talked about with menopause. You know, we, we have the, the hot flushes, we have the kind of maybe weight gain th- issues. We have different things, insomnia, you know, mm. different hormonal ups and downs that are more commonly talked about. But I think joint pain is something that a lot of women don't know really what's going on and, and then don't know what to do with it either. Mm. And mm. I, was, I was one of those women. I was, I was kind of really confused. And even more so probably because I was a yoga teacher. I'm like, shouldn't be happening to me. <laughs> You know, and and it was really embarrassing. I was kind of like trying to hide the fact that I was like get, got creaky knees and my shoulders were aching and my back was sore, and it was just kind of moving around my body. I couldn't ever kind of seem to get to the bottom of it. And then I came across a yoga method from Brazil, oh. which called taut, Kaiut, K A I U T, Kaiut Yoga. Developed by a a guy who studied chiropractic in Brazil, Francisco Cayute, he's the founder of the method. And I just dove into it, loved it, retrained with him, and have been and and it just made such a difference in my joints. And then what I did was I started to bring all the things that I'd been doing in my yoga practice, you know, the 20 years of yoga I've been doing, 25 years at that point, to, to my practice. With this, and I developed what I call my joint renewal method. And this is, you know, a synergistic way of working with yoga that just breaks down the poses, like those complicated poses that we see, you know, on Instagram, Instagram yoga, I like to call it. Um, and <laughs> all those places that, you know, we get images and bombarded with these young, healthy, usually white. 20-year-old body, very flexible, very slim. And it's that isn't yoga to me. That's nothing to do. That's so off the mark. And I think, unfortunately, that puts a lot of women who maybe are older, stiffer, maybe carry a little bit more weight, maybe don't see themselves as they don't identify with that image that they're being given. And so they miss this amazing opportunity that yoga can give when approached properly, when approaching the joints. Well, yeah, and I
0: mean, I, I do think that a lot of imagery is prohibitive when it comes to women in, in middle to length life, life, in exercise, sometimes for the first time, really. And we're starting to really fully appreciate the importance of the movement and yet kind of all at sea with, with all the different messages that we get bombarded with. And I suppose, you know, sometimes we have, well, I say sometimes, it's quite often that we have these preconceived notions that we bring, you know, to the table that yoga's not for me. There's too much, for some people, there's too much lying down and not enough moving. And for some people, it's like, oh, I'm not bendy enough. And, you know, and then, of course, there's the ones where they're all doing a handstand and you're thinking, that's never going to be in my repertoire. So, you know, what what would we say to those people who are put off? How can we approach bringing people to yoga who can stand to gain so much from the practice?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, Philippa, you know, as you probably know, working with your students and I know working with mine, that It's a really, really important relationship, the relationship you have with your teacher. Mm -hmm. And for someone looking for a yoga class, I would say go try 10 classes, go try 10 teachers, you know, because there will be a teacher out there who understands your stage of life and your body. And we'll be a teacher who has a different approach. You know, I mean, I'd be very wary of going to a class who was taught by a, a bendy 20 year old you know, who just, who just got their yoga teacher training. I mean, bless that, that young person. I wish all the best and all the well in the world. And, you know, for somebody who is older, who maybe has a history of back pain or have an injury. That, that happened 10, 20 years ago and they still have repercussions of that injury compensatory patterns. There's, there's a lot more complexity that a more experienced yoga teacher is going to offer you solutions and adaptations and modifications that are going to help. You. And you really have to shop around, basically, for the right teacher for you. So, you know, if you're looking for in-person classes, I would say go to as many teachers as you can. And the other thing, Philippa, I would say, and this is the way I teach, and I think it's important. And then if anyone's out there who is a yoga teacher, just to think about this when you teach. I don't teach from the front of the room demonstrating poses. And I think that's really important because again, it's right, These this visual, this imagery, for me, yoga is about going inside it's about finding out what's happening in my own system my nervous system my heart my breathing and you know the body and the joints and moving and if i'm looking out if i'm i've got my eyes gazing on a teacher across the room and they're doing some pose and they're a yoga teacher like myself who's been doing yoga for 25 plus years I'm gonna be moving my body in a very different way than somebody who's been sitting at a desk, working at a computer all their life and they're realizing going through menopause that they need to start moving something. They're going to have a very different body than I do. So what's the point of seeing my body do a pose when your body isn't isn't gonna go anywhere near what my body can. It's just a mismatch. So what I do is I walk around the room and I cure people and I make the adaptations and the modifications for those people as we go. And the poses themselves, I don't do complicated poses. I do really, really simple poses because that's all we need. We need in the ankles, the knees, the, the hips, and we don't need fancy, you know, Spaghetti <laughs> do accent those joints in that way, yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. We you don't need to tie yourself in knots to get the benefit of the movement. No. no, you you're quite right. I suppose I I would make a case for an, a mixed approach because you know different things speak to different people, don't they? And so the the idea that we've got those mirror neurons in the brain, for some people, it does help them to be able to, to mirror us. But I appreciate what you're saying, that sometimes we forget how easy it feels for us to do, and that's because we've been doing it for a long time, you know. So to transmit the movements that we want people to approach, you know, with a demonstration, absolutely. But then, yes, absolutely take it round the room and offer corrections and, you know, the different cues, verbal cues, tactile cues, visual cues, speak to different people. So to offer a mix, if we can, I suppose, as well is, is kind of where I sit with that.
1: Um, yeah, I- I would say that, and you know, to be very, very careful. Like, I wouldn't use the word correction either. I, I would say modification because correction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Implies that there's a a right way or a wrong way, and it's no, it's not that. Especially with the, you know, the way I teach, it's so simple. The movements are, you know, everyone can kind of turn their neck. They might turn it half an inch. They might turn it so they can look over their shoulder. But that that neck rotation is going to happen. To one degree or another, and there's no correction of that. You know, maybe you might get a deeper nectar if if you lift in the you know occiput area. If you lift your chin slightly, so that might be a modification that you explore. But it's yeah. all you know, all those subtleties, all those changes are just. There's no you know wrong way. I mean, the only I, the rules I have, for example, if we're doing a varasna, which is a kneeling pose, I would say no knee pain.
0: We were in Vrindavana. We were kneeling, and we were Which saying, is, this, "We don't want people to feel pain." I mean, for the most part, I cue people that these these things might you might feel a stretch, you might feel your muscles working, but pain is something that we're really not wanting to move into into
1: pain. I challenge you on on thinking about that because. And this is more of a cultural observation, I think, because oh, yeah. we live in a very pain adverse society. We live in a place that would go, oh, this is really sore. Let me take a painkiller. Let me take an Advil. Let me take a Tylenol. We live in a It's like, oh, my back's sore. I need a new bed, you know, so I can avoid this back pain. I, and, and so everyone is trying to avoid pain as much. And so what that does is we, we, we reduce our adaptability. We reduce our resilience to pain. And when the body is going through, like if, if a joint is opening that's stiff, or there's been an injury or accident and there's a compensatory pattern, you're trying to break that pattern. There's going to be sensation with that. There has to be. And, you know, being willing to, and like I try and reframe it, like somebody might quickly label it as pain. And I try and reframe it and say, it's strong sensation and you need to be able to stay calm with that. Don't freak out because if you freak out, stop. If you get scared, stop. But if you can just keep your breathing regular and steady and stay with those sensations as they're arising then you're actually going to start breaking those patterns down and get the freedom of movement that is necessary if you're unwilling to go through that threshold you're just going to stay locked in the same pattern that you're in
0: yeah and I mean we could talk till the carers come home about this whole notion of uh, pain catastrophizing and and the ability to give up clients improved sense of self-efficacy so that you know they appreciate that they have control over the situation so that's a constant push-pull so this is a scenario yeah. and you know and i think the thing i mean this this is so complex that we are all so individual and we will have our own interpretation of this that you know sometimes a class setting isn't necessarily the best to you know to be going into this where where it's so open to interpretation, you know, and that if you if you're coming across people, because obviously I work with people who are in pain all the time. And and so to do that on a one-on-one basis allows us to really interpret that individual's pain experience and turn that mm-hmm. into something that we can we can work with, work around, you know, do whatever. And use all of the tools at our disposal, you know, to keep the central nervous system occupied because this is, this is a real work in progress that we, we cannot allow our worlds to shrink with the passage of time. It's so important that we are continuing to nudge the boundaries of movement, of function and unpicking that whole painful sensation. You know, people do use of research on this. so.
1: I like don't think we're going to do it in the we're, next. Uh, uh, we're, we're only going to touch touch the tip a bit here, yeah. but just you know, for the listeners to kind of go away with a, a curiosity around. Mm-hmm. If listeners go away with one thing, which would be to have a curiosity around sensations in their body, rather than a kind of "no, I don't want to feel that." It's like, okay, okay, you know, what would it be like to be curious about it and be questioning, going, oh, what, what could I do? You know, it's like if there is a stiffness in the neck or the shoulder, for example, it's like, what is my range of motion? And, you know, can I touch on just that first layer of what I might label pain and just say, yeah, that's pretty intense, but I can breathe. I can stay with this. I can explore that. And that one degree of extra movement that comes in the shoulder, then, maybe you know, next week it's two degrees. The next week it's four degrees. The next week it's you know, and before you know it, with consistent attention and care and kindness and curiosity, there's a a, a change in that in yeah. that joy.
0: Yeah, I suppose the thing that I'm particularly interested to try and unpick is how. How is yoga speaking to the experience of menopause? Because, you know, my understanding is that we can talk to the endocrine system with yoga, postures and, and breath work and the, and the mindful meditation. And this is something that I'm, you know, really keen to help people with because ultimately it's the biochemistry, the shifting biochemistry that is responsible for those symptoms that arise, regardless whether it's hot sweats, whether it's joint aches and pains, you know, whether it's brain fog, whatever it is. So do you have any sort of experience of how certain postures might speak more to the enterprise system?
1: What I would say about that, Philippa, is. I think we 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 need to just stay in the holistic view that that yoga gives. A, a good yoga practice will address the endocrine system, the circulatory system, the digestive system, the breathing system. You know, all this, all the different systems in the body are simultaneously being addressed and moved. And you know, as you as you. Call yourself a movement specialist is like yes, because movement is what is going to keep the system going. You know, you can take you can take supplements for example. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some really excellent supplements out there. Some really really good herbal remedies. You know, natural HRT things. You know, some people mm-hmm. want to go down that route. What, whatever you want to do, take supplements. But if those supplements are sitting in a system. That not moving then it's the circulation system isn't going to get those nutrients into the areas where they need to go you know if the joint is locked up you're not your glucosamine isn't going to get into the cartilage to be able to make the change that the potential of the supplement has mm-hmm. so i think same with you know any any approach to the body it's like move it <laughs> just keep And that movement itself, there will be less stagnation. There'll be, you know, if there is a surge of hormones, you'll be more likely to be able to move it through and and regulate because everything is being regulated. And first and foremost, we mentioned earlier the the, the nervous system regulating the nervous system, especially for women in you know our age bracket who are coming into perimenopause, menopausal journey. We've lived these lines of stress. You know, we some of us have raised kids, we've had jobs, we, you know, we, we've got to a certain place in our life. We run homes, we drive cars, we and we're busy. And we, how much rest has our system got? How much have we been able to discharge? Come to the end of the day. You know, I'm really curious about that, especially for me, because insomnia was one of my other like well, big causal. Yeah. Issues coming to this sleeplessness. It's like well, I'm exhausted and I can't sleep. Well, that's because my nervous system is so fired up and doesn't know how to uncharge itself mm-hmm. that insomnia you know, just it gets into this this kind of loop. So you know that that whole yogic approach to calming the nervous system down, coming into the breath, moving mindfully through these different ways of getting into postures, asanas, sequences. This whole thing will, will address the hormones. It'll address the circulation. It'll address the gut health. It'll address mm-hmm. all of those things. Get addressed all at the same time, I think, with a with holistic approach.
0: Yeah, no, well, I mean, I, I agree entirely with what you're saying there. And, um, and it is that whole system approach that, you know, you, you're not saying let's do bicep curls, we're talking about movement, moving mindfully so that the brain is connected with the movements that we make and the breath also. And, uh, and, you know, that's just more powerful, isn't it? As when we harness this, uh, as you say, all these different elements together a practice it is more powerful but you know for some people that is still something that they kind of feel a little bit strange maybe that's all a bit too strange for them you know yeah,
1: so I mean again it's a cultural thing because you know we live in a society that says bigger better faster more yeah. and <laughs> when it comes to the body that's what we're looking for so we're going to the gym and we're getting on the treadmill, if we're doing more weights and you know, we we're doing big, you know, TRX classes and you know spinning classes and we're we're just and you know all those things have their place. All those things are absolutely marvelous. But if we think about how we're running our lives, then we're just on the same track. We're not shifting gear. And I think that yoga has a great great solution. So many of the kind of ills of our planet, the you know, stress-related issues, etc., is because it takes you out of that kind of treadmill Trip. kind of mentality and just and uh, you know you mentioned earlier that some people don't want to do yoga because it's like we're just lying on our backs. It's like there is such a lot of benefit to lying on your back. Like, can you lie on your back and just notice how busy your mind is? How your heart still racing? What what this level of anxiety and stress, because that is what needs to be discharged from the system for real optimal health.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know so many people say, Oh, I can't do yoga because I can't do that. And and yet they're probably the people who need it the most <laughs> So I think, you know, for us, obviously, yoga is a place of non-judgment and you know, calm and if, if lying on your back doesn't sit with you, then lie on your front, lie on your side, you know, do whatever. And and don't worry that you can't switch your mind off because most people can't in actual fact, can they? And and so experiment is the other thing that I love to sort of say to people. Like you said earlier, you know, with different teachers, you're going to get different approaches invariably. And, and some of it will stick better with you than others. And to be honest, for me, I, I I managed to somehow find something good in everything that I do with, you know, whomever it might be. Maybe
1: that's just because I'm curious to sort of see which bits I could maybe oh. use for myself, you know. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I think there's always something, something to be had from from every experience. And, you know, finding the, the one that you resonate or gravitate towards that, that you feel could could guide you i mean a, a really good yoga teacher in terms of the you know the shavasana that which is the lying down relaxation at the end those kind of real deep relaxation postures a really good yoga teacher will will guide you into those postures so that even if you do have a busy mind the teacher will give you something to focus on they'll, they'll give your mind something to play with so that your body can rest and and you know that skill of the the teacher again that's the experience of the teacher to be able to give you that so yeah I I just really encourage people if you do feel you know if you're watching this and you feel like yeah I'm one of those really stressed out anxious busy you know can't can't sit down for five minutes type of people just really see if you can give yourself the gift of being quiet and being still for just a little while and then build on that and see how your body responds, see how your mind responds, see how your whole system responds to. Because the whole thing yeah. about health and restoration is we don't, if we have an illness, we don't restore when we're in our sympathetic yeah. nervous system, when we're active, when we're busy, when we're running around. The body isn't in healing mode. The body is only in healing mode and restoration mode when we are relaxed, which is why sleep is so important. And To know that, that you do have to calm your mind down. You do have to rest because that's when the body goes, oh, okay, now it's time for cellular repair. We're not there in the world, hunting and gathering. We're recuperating now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that yin and yang, you know, the, the balance of life. Modern life is eroding it. What with the bright lights, twenty four hours a day, television. You know, I remember when the television used to stop. It's about half yeah. past ten. You know, whatever was the calls left. That was it then, when go right to with. bed. But you know, Kathy, I was really intrigued to read about your time in the, in would, would you be able to share something about what you were getting up to there? Cause
1: that sounds really yeah. Yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'd been happy to share about Findhorn. The Findhorn Foundation is an organization and spiritual community in the Northeast of Scotland. It's been going since 62. I moved there in 1995 met my husband raised two kids we built an eco home and i was very much involved in the community running workshops retreats teaching my yoga and yeah it's a it's a beautiful place it's a beautiful part of the world and the the intention of the community there's no when i say spiritual there's no dogma there's no teacher there's no one path there's you know lots of people some people practice buddhism some people yeah. do Sufi twirling, some people think yoga, some people meditate, you know, all the different aspects of, you know, spirituality that you can think of will be found there. And people are very, very connected to nature. That's one of the kind of principles of the foundation of of Findhorn would be co-creation with nature. Another principle is work is love in action. So that whatever we're doing out in the world, we're doing it with love, for love, mm-hmm. to share. And um, but then the other principle of the three principles is inner listening. So it's all about going inside and finding your own wisdom, your own truth, your own wisdom. Those are the three very beautiful, powerful principles: uh, co-creation with nature, love is work in action, and um, inner listening.
0: Yeah. I I must say, sometimes I think if we could give ourselves the luxury of a break away from our everyday lives, somewhere like that sounds like the perfect place to go and really explore some of these practices that you've maybe never tried before. And I mean, you know, you don't have to go all the way to Finton. There's probably other places you could go more local to you, so that so you get the chance real chance to really experience the best that these things have to offer if you could find a weekend and, and go with a friend maybe i i don't know what do you say you live there <laughs>
1: absolutely no I, I lived there and time and time again i saw people come and you know at the beginning of the week or the five days that they were there they'd arrive from london or whatever city they'd flown in from and they're, they're kind of in that city vibe and then just mm-hmm. watching them discharge, calm down, start to open their eyes, look around, see what other alternatives are. Just really powerful transformation. And then people go back home with that commitment to change, mm-hmm. you know, with the commitment of, I'm going to go walk in nature every day. You know, day. I'm mm-hmm. going to find my local park. I'm going to go to the park. I'm going to walk by the river, whatever it is that that people go back with commitments i'm going to meditate i'm going to do my yoga i'm you know and it's just it really helps people anchor there to step out and break the pattern for three days a week whatever it is a month times just really helps people then when they go back into their lives go back with some changes that they want to make and more committed to making those changes
0: yeah well, so we haven't all got a week, uh, uh, a but nor a month, but most of us could probably find an hour each week to dip your toe, give it a try. How do you know you don't like it if you've never tried it? That's, what's really That's a really good point. <laughs> So um, you know I, I I absolutely concur that uh, there's somebody out there for everybody and, and uh, it might not be the first person you hit upon that that really speaks to you but if you can be open of mind and heart and and uh, so sort of discerning I suppose what is it what is it that really speaks to me and uh, you know Kathy's out there in the ethers and so, so am I as it happens with my podcast. With my online Pilates and and some online yoga, and you can come and see me in person too. You, Kathy, and I, we both work out of our homes, don't we?
1: We do. Well. I think that the the idea of connecting to a teacher just really emphasize that again mm. like um, you know as you said using the word discerning if you don't like a teacher it's not that you don't like them it's just it's not your vibe it's like yeah. you're, you're not resonating with oh, whatever gosh. it is that they're offering so yeah. just keep looking don't be disheartened because yeah. you go to a class and you think that was a bit weird or i didn't like it. Yeah,
0: 100%. yeah don't think it's you that's wrong you know that's the other thing because people are like oh it's me i i couldn't do it or i didn't get it but yeah. you know it's just that that match finding the fist. Exactly. And, uh, yeah keep looking and keep trying because what we know without a shadow of a doubt is that people who embrace movement as a regular practice ultimately live happier healthier more productive lives For longer, potentially as well. I say happier, but you know what I mean. If you're in pain, it's not exactly conducive, is it? Let's move more, feel better. And uh, thank you so much, Kathy, for your time this afternoon.
1: Yeah, this has been a lovely conversation with you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you and take care. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everybody. And uh, remember to connect with me and move me through Menopause Facebook group. And Kathy will share all your information in the post that will follow. So it'll, it'll be out, out there. <laughs> really Thanks, Philip. Thank for- Take care. I'll say goodbye for now. Bye. Bye for now.